Hi, this is Dr. Anita with another Diamond Moment. Diamonds are produced by time, heat, and pressure. The cut, clarity, and size of the diamond will determine its use. The use of the stone adds to its value. The first few cuts of a raw diamond will not be enough to bring out its beauty. You must continue shaping, but with precision, to expose the beauty of the stone. Diamonds cut diamonds. Your change can only be facilitated by someone designed to shape a diamond. That's one of the reasons that you need a person speaking into your life that is not only qualified, but has a foundation of truth, which will guide the hand that is doing the shaping. It takes an unfaltering hand to make cuts needed to shape a diamond. The emotions felt at each new facet is normal. There are degrees of emotion which make each new cut possible. As we spoke before, we talked about the fact that shaping a diamond carries with it a lot of emotion. We're dealing with our past, we're dealing with our hopes for the future, we're dealing with uncertainty of the present. And as we're moving through our feelings, we have to be careful not to awfulize. That means to view our past in a way that is so horrible, so awful, that we cannot look at it, we cannot handle it, we cannot examine it, we cannot challenge it. We have to learn how to challenge those things that at one time had been very difficult, that maybe we didn't want to experience again. One of the things that I learned is to go back and deal with difficult issues of my past. I have not thus far gone into a lot of my past with you, but I experienced some extremely difficult things. I lost a son when I was very young. I experienced within a 90-day period the loss of my great-grandmother, my grandfather, my aunt, my son, my marriage, and everything that at one time had been my life. I was independently living with my husband and my, my other son. After the loss of my child, I had, just prior to losing my son, I moved in with my mom because there were so many problems in that marriage. When I lost my son, in a lot of ways, I felt as though I lost myself because I didn't have a foundation to stand on. Without that foundation to buoy you up in times of great disappointment or heartache, you have nothing to carry yourself forward. My mom was a wonderful lady, but through her own past and the losses in her life, she learned to be fearful, to be anxious and fearful. And 
and she passed that on in an attempt to make me careful of the way that I live my life because she didn't want to lose me as well. I have an older brother. There were two other siblings between my brother and myself. So my mom lost two children in a row. When I came, she was afraid to really love me, to really hold me, because she didn't know if she would be able to survive the loss of another child. When you grow up with a parent who is frightened, that overcautious personality can take hold. When we look at the levels of intensity that emotion has, being afraid can run from being timid all the way to being paralyzed and frozen. Our minds attempt to shield us from anything that is unpleasant. And as we look back over our lives, many times we fail to appropriately examine those emotions, challenge our beliefs, and move forward using those things as a strength rather than a weakness. When we're looking at the emotion of fear, a weak experience of fear would be timidity, being unsure or shy, being nervous, tight or tense and uneasy. When we move to a higher level of that, we're looking at being anxious, being apprehensive, feeling threatened or insecure or or maybe just worried. That would be like a moderate response. But then when we get to the area of strong responses, we're looking at terrified, panicked, afraid, fully fearful, petrified, alarmed, or paralyzed and frozen. There are shades of difference in just the emotion of fear that we need to be aware of. Why would I say that? Because some of the things that we have determined are too difficult to deal with are not all the way on the scale of petrified and terrified. Sometimes they're on the more weak side, which is just being a little tense, a little uneasy about speaking about it. Those things can be readily challenged. As I said, in that 90-day period of time when I lost everything, I didn't think that I would survive it, to be honest with you. The level of grief that I experienced was off the chart. I didn't have, at that point, an operational foundation that I could go to and call on, which would give me the ability to address my fears, evaluate them, put them into perspective, and move forward using them as a strength as opposed to a weakness. When we grow up, and some people say, I don't like broccoli, I don't like vegetables, I don't eat those, I don't like that. Our attitude on food many times are formed by the time that we're four years old. If we look at the development of a child, we realize that from zero to one, they are completely dependent. They know nothing. 
by the time they get to the twos we call them the terrible twos because most of the time they're mobile they're moving around they're trying out stuff and they're getting in a lot of trouble they're hearing a lot of no put that down stop and they have at that point determined no i want to i want to find out what this is we move from the trouble that we've gotten into in our terrible twos to our threes because now we've gotten kind of a clue as to what will hurt us and what won't what we like and what we don't like and by the time we get to four we think we got it I don't like carrots I don't like broccoli I don't like this I don't like that I only want and we take those same ideas and never challenge them so we have a number of adults who are actually allowing the voice of a four-year-old to determine how they live their lives. I've spoken to people who are now seniors, okay, 55 and over, who at this point in their lives, finally challenging that four-year-old's taste palate and said, my goodness, this is delicious. I never knew because a four-year-old was determining the way that they live their lives. Many of us are being led by the childhood experiences of our past. We've never taken the time to evaluate them and to challenge them And because that little child found something that they didn't like, the adult was still living in those limitations. The portion of my history, I think, that made the largest impact on me once I got my foundation in place was, again, challenging my previous methods, challenging my previous thoughts, challenging fear. We are, as humans, creatures of habit. We do things the same way over and over and over. If we wake up in the morning, we do this, we do the next item, we do the next item, and we do that the same way every day of our lives. When we get in our cars, we utilize the same path to reach a destination. When I became single, someone asked me, what's your favorite color? And I had to think about it because I got married when I was 19 years old. I left school. I was in love. I got married, had my son uh, three days before I was 21. I was a mom, okay? On my 21st birthday, I was a mom. And so my entire life had been spent looking after someone else. I knew exactly what my former husband's favorite color was. I knew what he liked to eat. I knew everything about him. But in learning about him and those formative years of my life, I didn't know about me. So they asked me, what's your favorite color? Kind of stumped me. The reason being... I needed to take a look at the way that I was living my life. I needed to do things differently. As a result, I started challenging why I did everything the way 
that I did. I decided that in order for me to have a different life, I was going to have to do things differently. I made a 180. I went from going to the left to going to the right just to experiment and see what would happen. There was always the direction that I would go. There was always a specific direction that I'd go in when I was going to the grocery store. This time I decided that instead of turning right, I would turn left. I would go the opposite direction. When I began to venture out of the set path that I've been living my life in, I discovered a new world. I discovered new restaurants, new stores, new opportunities for growth and development. And I took that same concept and began to incorporate it in other areas of my life. I began to do what I hadn't done before. And as a result, I ended up with what I'd never had before, a broader experience, new friends, a better way to live my life that was not limiting it, but expanding it. I've learned that changing one thing changes everything. If you're baking a cake, maybe it's just a white cake, and you add in chocolate, stir it just a little bit, you no longer have a white cake, you have a marble cake. As you continue incorporating the chocolate, the entire color of the cake changes, so now it all looks chocolate. Once you add in the chocolate, you can never get it out. So when we make a change in our lives, when we begin to look at things differently, when we take the time to examine what's taking place, and make one small change, just like the change that I made turning right to turning left. Everything changes. Small changes allow us to grow in manageable ways. Those ways become the difference in our new life from our old life. In order for you to do what you've never done, to have what you've never had. You have to go about things in a new and different way. This is Dr. Anita. Thank you for listening. Remember to visit my website at www.dranitamc.com. That's D-R-A-N-I-T-A-M-C.com for links and additional information. Never forget to invest in yourself.